2: Pace with Alex and Fauci Alex and Fauci Alex and Alex If I put our jacks in the paint How you gon' stop me? How you gon' stop me? We can go head to head Call out your top three Call out your top three Look at the switch from Dorte, Now that boy got three We got Holly Burton run the point this is a Benedict for the shot If anybody gon' come in the post Then we got Jalen Smith for the block Setting the pace, going to the top Setting the pace, going to the top This is your number one
1: podcast Sweeping every team, we gon' need a mop Smooth Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace No Alex Golden today, but we are joined by friend of the show NBA writer and host for the Hoops Hype Podcast None other than Michael Scotto Scotto, what's going on?
3: What's up, brother? It was good to see you at MSG the other day, and uh, looking forward to talking hoops with you guys, as always. I know Alex isn't here, but uh, I think we'll hold down the fort.
1: <laughs> I th- I think we will, and yeah, it was great seeing you at Madison Square Garden, but man, a lot has changed for this Pacers team ever since that game, because as you remember, that was the game Tyrese Halliburton, you know, went down, did not finish, and has not returned since. So, you know, Scott. kind of Changes things a little bit for the Pacers potentially with the NBA trade deadline, February 9th. You tell me 23 and 23 ahead of expectations. The Pacers are, does this Halliburton injury make them sellers or could they still be buyers?
3: I don't think the Tyrese Halliburton injury affects whether they're going to be buyers or sellers. I think what affects what they're going to do is where are they at with contract extension talks with miles Turner. Ultimately to me, Uh, that's the big domino that that's got to fall at some point, you know, they can restructure his contract and extend them. And, or do you just do uh, because like to me, if you're Indiana, do you go into the off season, not knowing for sure?
1: I don't think he can.
3: I mean that to me, that's the biggest question for them. They've, they've exceeded outside expectations. Um, You know, again, I've always felt like with them and, you know and talking with the Pacers, they know they have their backcourt of the future you know miles is certainly an option for them as a, a long-term piece that he's still young enough that he could fit the core long term uh really they got to figure out who's going to be uh, joining him in that front court and, and along the wing at the three ultimately um you know tyrese's injury you can't replace a guy like that who's in my opinion an all-star caliber player this year um so yeah, I mean, for them, it's it's about holding down the fort. But the kid uh, Andrew Nemhart's been good for them as well. Uh, Rick Carlisle touched on it on when we do our hoops hype redrafts that uh, Andrew Nemhart would be a lot higher than where he was selected. So good opportunity for him to get some minutes. Chris Duarte gets a chance to play more as well. Um, he's another guy that's kind of come up a little bit in the rumor mill. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what what Indiana does. I Think right now. Uh, you know, same thing kind of with uh, with Buddy Hield. I mean, for them, he's he's been a guy that was obviously linked to the Lakers for a while with Miles Turner, but outside of that, uh yeah, I haven't really heard his name with other teams. So that that's been a little interesting for me.
1: I think a couple great points over there. Um, you know, one, obviously Nemhard has been an awesome rookie. And actually, Scott, you're a tough act to follow up. We're gonna see if Nemhard can do it because he's coming on the show on Monday. So you know, nice. the ball's in his court. But look, you know, when you're talking about Mostert, having a career year, you know, he really is. So he's played, you know, he he's right to feel that, you know, he could test the waters over here and have plenty of suitors. But when you, when you talk about going into the offseason a bit unknown, if he will resign, if you're the Pacers and you've struggled to lure high-name free agents in the offseason – do you worry that this is something you might have to get ahead on of trading a guy who's having a career year, entering a contract uh, you know, contract year, or do you just play that course out?
3: I mean, my thing with Miles is previously last year, they wanted two first-round picks for him, and now he's on an expiring deal. I don't know if you're going to be able to get a first-round pick for him. You almost may have your hand forced because how many teams right now are looking to actively – get better and get a center for a win now run at a championship that's a playoff contender i don't see a rebuilding team making a trade for him at that point you know if you're the lakers right now they've struggled this season and they haven't shown a willingness uh to make that blockbuster trade for him and and, and buddy healed which has been talked about since the summer quite frankly so to me you can't trade a guy if there's not a ton of buyers now you know I, you know, some people have mentioned. Well, he'll always get linked with like Toronto, and and I think even Charlotte, Charlotte from yeah. years ago. Well, sh- Charlotte, it's like, why would you trade for him at this point? When Not this year, uh-uh. Lamella balls hurt. You might end up with Victor Wembanyama. No sense in doing that. If you're Toronto, I mean, on paper they need a center, a true center. It makes sense, but I don't know what they'd be willing to part with there. And if you're the Pacers, it's like, well. Gary Trent is a two. You got plenty of that on your roster. You know, OG Ananobi, maybe, but I don't know if Toronto would be willing to do that. There's a lot of balls in the air there. I almost feel like the best case scenario for Miles, in terms of his role as a true five and getting the most opportunity for his development and potentially getting paid, in my opinion right now, would be to stay with Indiana. It's a great point because...
1: You're having a career year with the best point guard that you've ever played with in Tyrese Halliburton, a guy who's making everybody around them better, getting them paid. And I, and we've only now seen about a half set, a half season of a sample size because Turner was out last year after the Pacers made the move for Halliburton. So a, a lot has worked, and obviously the coaching staff. You were there. You had a great, you know, soundbite from Rick Carlisle saying that Carlisle does not want to trade. Miles Turner. So he would love for him to be here, but a lot remains to be seen. But you mentioned the Lakers earlier. There were so many legs or, you know, rumors to that Lakers Pacers trade. It feels like that has died down. And to your point with Buddy Heald, I'm not hearing his name in a lot of rumors, which makes me feel that the Pacers are looking to keep Buddy Heald, who still does have one year, about $19 million left on his contract. And he fits this team. The chemistry with Halliburton's been great. But is there a Pacer that maybe could be on the move, someone you might be hearing, or maybe just a gut feeling, hey, it makes sense to move this guy.
3: Um I I think I still think Buddy is a guy that could be a trade candidate because you've got I would say this to me almost Buddy or Chris Duarte because to me you've got kind of a logjam at that two position. Ben Matherin is is the future there at that position. So do you Continue to play him with Buddy, and you got it for another year, or do you get Buddy out of there and and try to pair it with uh, Chris Duarte um, in the backcourt with Matherin and um, Tyrese Halliburton and kind of go a little small there? Um, it's kind of like a three-guard lineup. You could do that with one or the other. To me, I think that's kind of the question. Um, right now, I- I'll say this. Yes, it's quiet. It's quiet. But I've always been under the assumption that that does not mean that it's it's going to be a quiet deadline. I think usually as you get closer this far out, things that get out there right now are more about, they can happen, they've been discussed, don't get me wrong. But chances are when something gets out there, it's done for a purpose. And it could potentially be to build up trade talks elsewhere. Now, just because it's quiet, I'm almost of the mindset. It, I, as a reporter in my twelfth year, I'm of the mindset it's too quiet. I agree. And, and what I mean by that is something's going to happen at a certain point. I think we're getting too. I've never heard it this quiet, and that concerns me. I think you got to look around the league. You got to look at D'Angelo Russell. Uh, Minnesota would lose his salary slot if he. Uh, is not brought back in the summer. They're not necessarily close on his value, uh, what he should be paid. And then you've got, you know, with the Pistons, Boyan Bogdanovich is a guy that a lot of people have talked about. They've set a high asking price. They wouldn't mind having him back next year, but at the same time, a lot of win-now teams could use a guy like him. You get a first-round pick. Do you get something else? Do you get a quality young player with that? Um do you get maybe multiple seconds with that time will tell i think those offers could go up um you know you got jay crowder eric gordon um a lot of veteran guys that could be had out there uh to me with indiana i i just don't i don't think it's really clear what they are and what they're going to be because they're literally 500 you know without tyrese it's going to be tough for them to sustain they're winning ways. He's he's been their best player, so they could go. They could honestly go either direction. I know that's kind of a, a a vanilla stance, but it's the truth. And I I think almost what's the like with Miles like to me. I'm of the mindset you might as well pay him and give him a new deal, and then if you want to flip him at the trade deadline next year. You could do it. You've got more leverage because it's more years on his contract. Just ask the Pistons with Boyan Bogdanovich. No, it's true. And
1: look, hey, I'm very familiar with Bogdanovich. He could fit a lot of needs for many teams. Former Pacer right over there. Great to see him having success. But talk about in previous years, the trade deadline. When you're mentioning it's too quiet, I agree. Because look at last year. CJ McCollum, Tyrese Halliburton, DeMontis Sabonis, James Harden. Those are all names that were moved just prior to the deadline So it makes me feel like something will happen. But one name we are hearing a lot about, and does the Pacers do have a need for it? John Collins. John Collins has been, I mean, the Hawks have been as vocal as it feels they can be to say that they're looking to, you know, find a new home for John Collins. What do you think the asking price could be for Atlanta? And do you see him moved at the deadline?
3: Well, you see, the thing right now is Atlanta's viewing him as a guy that's a positive trade asset, and other teams around the league are viewing it as a negative in the sense that his contract is a bit too much. Other teams want a first-round pick for taking him on. And Atlanta's like, this is still a good player. Um, If anything, you should be giving us a pick. So I don't know where the middle ground is there um, for Atlanta. They're another team hovering around 500 right now. You've heard a lot about them with – Nate McMillan's future, uh, his relationship with Trey Young, John Collins you touch on, they've had a bunch of injuries, Uh, you know, Boyan Bogdanovich has an option after the year, does he get extended or not, Uh, he's played well for them for the most part this year, they just extended DeAndre Hunter, Uh, if they want to avoid the luxury tax next year, uh, you're going to have to move either John Collins, Clint Capella or Bogdan Bogdanovich at that point, so, you got to do something. Feels- they got to decide where they're, where they're at. You know, DeJounte Murray came over. It hasn't, I, it hasn't out. moved the needle like they thought.
1: It, it really hasn't. And they, they did give up quite a few picks for DeJounte Murray, so they did expect more. I do think that John Collins, the $75 million owed over the next three years – is the holdup over here, but I, I think he's not having a typical John Collins year as in the past. So I, I do think that he is very much available. But is there a team in mind that you think could be ready to either blow it up or decide on which direction they're going in? Because you got a lot of teams floating in that sub-playing range between the Toronto Raptors, the Chicago Bulls, the Atlanta Hawks, where they got to pick a pick a route which way you're going, and they could be either buyers or they could be sellers.
3: Yeah, I mean, as far as the Bulls, they've played well against teams above 500. They've resisted putting Zach Levine on the trade market, even though I've reported there's plenty of teams that are out there monitoring his situation that would trade for him. Uh, he's played better since the start of the year. He looks healthier. So if you're Chicago, uh, the interest in selling off on him has certainly quieted down a lot. Um, and I think, you know, Toronto is a team everybody's looking at. You know, Gary Trent Jr. is the number one trade guy there when you talk to rival executives that they believe uh could be moved at the deadline um after that OGN and Obi could certainly bring back a haul uh I think he's a name you got to look at you almost wonder though like what if they go that route you got those two guys that are a little younger and then you got Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet who are in their late 20s more kind of win now guys over the next few years so it depends on what direction they want to go Washington just gave Braley Beal a max extension, gave him everything except for ownership stake in the Capitals and the Nationals out in Washington. Uh, They traded for Porzingis when they were out of the playoffs. Okay, That's a win-now move. Kuzma's played better for them, a guy that's gotten more of an opportunity there than he would anywhere else. Looking ahead, they want to keep Kuzma. They want to keep Porzingis. They have their three, and they think that a fourth guy would be ideal, another core guy. Uh, it has not been Rui Hachimura. You know, Corey Kispert is a fine shooter. It hasn't been Johnny Davis. Who's going to be that fourth guy? Can they use future assets to get another guy there to make that team better? Um, that's the question. Atlanta, we we've touched on. Uh, Detroit, Boyan Bogdanovich, Alec Burks. Are they going to sell those guys off? Um, you know, time will tell. There, I think. We touched on Minnesota with D'Angelo Russell, I'm trying to think. Uh, Houston with Eric Gordon, K.J. Martin. To me, I would look at Orlando in the sense that they've got a logjam at several positions in Orlando. You know, you've got, I mean, for crying out loud, in the front court, you've got Wendell Carter, uh, Paolo Bancaro, and, and Franz Wagner, who are kind of your core three. Cool. But then you've got Bol Bol, you've got uh, Chumo Kiki, Mo Bamba. At some point, you're probably trying to split some of that up. You know, Mo Bamba's been a name that's kind of been mentioned in talks. At the guard position, you got four guards at the one pretty much in Markel Fultz, Jalen Suggs, um, Cole Anthony, and RJ Hampton, uh, you know, They got Gary Harris at the two that they could move, you know, Terrence Ross. Orlando's got a lot of guys I feel like that can make a move if they want to and sell off on some uh, guys there. Uh, So so to me, those are teams like I'm I'm looking at off the top of my head.
1: You know, it's a great point because we just don't know who's going to be the major sellers, but there's always going to be one team. But a couple of buy low options that are reported out there, a name that you mentioned, Rui Hachimura, someone that I was intrigued coming out of Gonzaga. I felt that, you know, lottery pick, felt like he had a lot of potential. Has not maybe shown, you know, growth in his game over the last few years, as many have hoped. And then there's also a guy like Cam Reddish, who it feels like his value is dropping by the day. He's been out of the rotation for the Knicks for quite some time. Uh, The asking prices might be very different for both players. But uh, outside of those two guys, is there any other buy lows that you think are the young players that – could be worth investing in because a team like Indiana, they have a history of developing talent. Five players have won most approved player of the year awards over with the Pacers. But I wonder if either of those guys are worth taking a flyer on for the Pacers.
3: Yeah. I mean, we saw with Jalen Smith last year, I think, uh, you know, Rui Hachimura, he's been a solid pro. I think a really good guy off a of bench to have. Um, if you're trading for him, you're looking at having his restricted free agency rights. Um, and you're kind of envisioning him as a guy that could be a part of your future. Uh, for Washington, they've got a little bit of a log jam there with Kyle Kuzma and Chris Dapp's porzingis so he's a little bit more expendable. Mm-hmm. Um, Cam Reddish you touched on. Cam, you know, I had reported previously the Knicks wanted two second-round picks for him. You know, Mark Stein has reported that uh, that asking price has gone down even now to one second-round pick. I just think at this point uh, it's about uh, – getting him off the roster just for the both sides. It just, it, it didn't work out. They're not getting a first round pick back other by low guys out there. I guess maybe you can consider like an RJ Hampton in Orlando as a by low kind of development guy. Uh, still very young in his career. Uh, just at a log jam in Orlando and, and not going to get a lot of minutes there. Uh, hmm. You could have made the argument for Killian Hayes, but he's starting now. And, and I, yeah, and I mean, if you're the Pistons, it's not necessarily the guy you're trying to move now. I wonder if things would have been different if Cade was healthy, but that's uh, uh, it's, it doesn't matter at this point now. Uh, other than that, I'm trying to think. Bottom tier guys. I guess in theory, like if you try to go for the Houston Rockets with K.J. Martin, um, which
1: I am intrigued with. I, I do like KJ's growth that he's had over the last few years. And I, I think that he, he could have suitors, you know, if, if Houston's looking to make the move.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, other than that, I'm just thinking out West. Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe on Minnesota, like a Nas reader. That's or a exactly
1: Nadel. who I was going to say. I brought him up the other day. Apparently uh, Minnesota is not expected to come to any sort of agreement with Nas Reed. I think that when he's, been able to be a starter in limited fashion. He has produced. I do think that he could be on the move. And Indiana doesn't really need another center unless they are to move uh, a Turner or Goga. But that's someone that I do think could be on the move uh, this trade deadline. Yeah. So, you know, as we, as we kind of wrap up over here, I just think Kyle Kuzma. I got to bring it up for Alex. Alex, he is now fixated on Kuzma. He's got a man crush on him. I'm trying to say it doesn't make sense for the Pacers to make the move for Kuzma because Kuzma even appeared on the Woj pod very vocal about turning down his $13 million player option and hitting free agency. Do you think that A, Washington holds on to him, hopes for the best to come to an agreement, or B, if there is a team making a move for Kuzma, what would that price tag be for a trade?
3: You know, look, a lot of people want Kyle Kuzma, and I get it. I think first of all, him turning down the $13 million player option it was, the right move. was, but no kidding. Like of yes. course he's going to get a lot more than that. He, he's going to get, he has to 20 million plus. Yeah. That was always an obvious thing. I think, I don't know if that means necessarily that he wouldn't go back to Washington because at the end of the day, Washington's given him the biggest opportunity for his career and they're going to pay him. Yeah. So uh, they want to keep him. So to me, I don't think you can just count them out that that's my stance there on Kyle as far as what it would take to trade for him. I mean, if you're Washington, you're trying to kind of win at this point. So you'd probably have to get a young player and a future pick. And I don't know if a team's going to do that without the guarantee that he's going to stay there long term.
1: I just don't see a team poning up for Kuzma right now when I, he's not signing an early extension anywhere or anything of the sort. That man is hitting free agency and looking to cash in. So if you're Washington, I, I think they probably go down with the ship because they have struggled to kind of draw, you know, free agent uh, free agent talent. I would say they, they've gotten everybody through trades. When you think about Porzingis, you think about a Kyle Kuzma. Obviously, yeah. they they did what they had to do to keep Beal over there. It has not worked, but. I understand if they go down with that shit, but Scott, before we wrap up over here, please tell everybody some of the awesome content that you're putting out there and where they could find you on social media.
3: Sure thing on Twitter. You can find me at Mike, a Scotto, Mike, a Scotto is S C O T T O. Check out, obviously my stuff on Hoopshype.com. Uh We just did a recent NBA notebook. We touched on a futures, of Ky- Kyrie Irving, Nate McMillan, uh, our capologist, Yossi Goslin, touched on trade talks for the Raptors, the Hornets, and some other teams as well. Uh, and We'd always do a free agency stock watch update there from my colleague, Frank Urbina. Uh, as far as the Hoopside podcast, check it out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else that you can listen to podcasts. Uh, next week, I might try to double up and get a couple of writers from two different teams. Uh, since this week, we were pretty front loaded with a lot of written content, but uh, definitely on Twitter. You'll get all the access directly there. Uh, sometimes I just put out uh, some videos like I did last night when we were talking about with Chris Stapps Porzingis and, and what happened with him after his tenure with the Knicks. Uh, so be sure to follow me there at Mike Escato. Everything will come directly to you.
1: Hey, Michael is a great follow, an absolute must follow. So Hey, Scott, we definitely appreciate you coming on the show. As always, we'll have to come. Love to have you back on the show right after the trade deadline, maybe to recap or so. But as always, I appreciate you.
3: My
0: pleasure, brother. Anytime. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: All right, everybody joining us now for our fans of the week. We got two today. It's Corey and Dia Carter. Corey, Dia, how are you guys? Doing, Doing good. Great. Awesome. We are so excited to have you on to talk about your fandom and how this all started. So I guess, Dia, take it away. How did you guys become Pacer fans?
4: So it was 2014. Corey, my husband here, came home and said, "Uh, so I got half season Pacer tickets and we didn't go to games or anything ever at that time. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So we started attending our half season games. And within two games, I was probably a bigger fan than he was. <laughs> and this is now our tenth season of being baser of season ticket holders.
1: Wow. I love that, Corey. Absolute power move just going with a half season <laughs> ticket plan. Not even just, hey, I got tickets to a game. Just really, you know, going all in. And and it worked because D is hooked. But yeah. is there a game in specific maybe for the both of you? Or maybe it's different. Is there a game that sticks out for each of you that's like, oh, that's one of the best games that we've
5: seen together?
0: Uh, I
5: don't know if there's a game that sticks out because I'm uh, – well, uh, you know, maybe the San Antonio game uh, when Oladipo was there. Oh, yeah. that That first game with him – uh, we were sitting in the old, like, varsity club with some friends, you know, and I just remember that that moment of, of him hitting that game-winning shot. Like, you know, that one kind of sticks out to me. I'm sure there are others if I actually, you know, had time to think about it.
4: We've been to a lot of them, a lot of good ones. And, you know, Corey, I think that's an,
5: uh, an underrated game
1: winner of Oladipo's. It's not really spoke about as much. Everybody always remembers the game winner against the Celtics. Or maybe like a, a really big shot he hit uh, when he returned against Chicago. But I feel like not a lot of people talk about that Spurs game winner. So I think that's a that's a blast from the past right there, for sure.
4: I think any game that Lance Stevenson comes back is is good, too. I like those ones. Electric.
2: Yeah, the 20-point <laughs> yeah. first quarter was pretty special off the bench. I mean, that was pretty awesome last year. And I know last season was not the, the season we all expected. So... It was a bright spot for sure. So let me ask you this: you know, you've been fans for a little while now. Who is your all-time favorite pacer player?
5: Oh, that's that's got to be Reggie. You got to go with Reg. Okay. So I, yeah, I mean, who else? Uh, but I mean, currently, if if you know, if you take Reggie out of the equation, because that's kind of like the default answer. It uh, is. Uh, I I love Halliburton. Uh, I've always been big on watching like point guards play. Like when the Clippers would come to town when Chris Paul was. There, like I would always love to go see those games because just watching a a good point guard run the floor and actually just be a floor general is is magic. Sometimes I just love it.
1: What about you,
4: Jeff? I like Reggie too, of course, but I can't get enough of Lance. I'm um, I'm just a Lance fan. When he, he was up in Kroger in Indy, he did a fan meet and greet. Probably when was it June?
5: Sometimes okay. there,
4: and I totally went and stood in line and got my autograph that he told me he'd give me earlier, like the week before in a game. And he, I said, "Hey, you're in trouble." And he said, "Oh, sorry. Here you go." But he's just amazing. He gets out there and he just, you know, revs everybody up.
1: I heard so much about that Kroger appearance because it just feels like he really gave a lot back to all of his fans that showed up, and I, I feel like Lance knows just how much the fans love him out of, I mean, a three-time Pacer. How many players get to return to a team that many times? But we're still asking for more. But uh, when we had Lance on the show, it was one of the best interviews or one of my favorite interviews that we've ever done. We'll have to have him back on again because he's just that entertaining. Um, But maybe coming into the year, we, we all had this different type of outlook on what the season could be, but it's actually been a blast. And the Pacers have been far more competitive than I'd like to say many of us thought. What were your expectations going into the year? Maybe compared to where they're at now.
5: My my expectations was kind of I mean I thought we were going to be like kind of full on take mode, uh, you know, getting the lottery, getting the contest, and you know I, was, I went and saying like let's just just have entertaining games real close and then lose at the end. So we <laughs> get but I didn't expect them to be as good as they are. I thought they could be better with Matherin. I thought we'd probably have a better season than what we did last year. But, I mean, this so far has exceeded expectations.
4: Yeah. um, I was just ready for a few good games. Uh, It's a rebuilding year. It'll be fine next year. It'll be better. And then now it's like, hey, how about those Pacers? Every time I go into work because there's a few skeptical people in there that I work with. And I say, (laughs) look at this. Did you see the game last night? Hey. Yeah, so it's been amazing. Let them know.
5: Let them yeah. know at work. Yeah. We appreciate you. For
4: sure. I have yeah. a
5: convert at my work, too. A I took convert. him to one game, and he's like, I don't like basketball. I don't like basketball. He came in the other day, said, I don't like you. Yes, why. He said, because I want to go again. It's like I'm <laughs> He's like, I'm, I'm tweeting go Pacers and stuff. He's like, man, I don't know what's going on, but that was so much fun. <laughs> he's been bit. He's got the Pacer fever right now. <laughs> yep. Man, you're doing the Lord's work
2: right there, spreading the good <laughs> news out there about the Pacers. I love it. Um, Hallelujah. <laughs>
5: trying to let him know.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. So let me ask you this. I mean, Benedict Matherin, probably one of the most electrifying rookies the Pacers have seen, probably since Paul George. But I think even he's exceeded Paul George's rookie season. So what are your thoughts on Benedict Matherin, and what do you think his ceiling could
5: be? <sighs> I, I mean, I think his ceiling is going to be really high. You know, it's it's going to be interesting to see when he starts the, you know, I don't think anybody really expected the the six-man type of role for him when he came in being, you know, a number six draft pick. Like, that's just usually not what you do when you're in that situation. Um, But, I mean, it's it's worked out well for him, and he's honestly, you know, from a basketball standpoint, you understand, you know, why Carlisle would make that move and, you know, him having the freedom to just, you know, score and attack the basket. But – Uh, Yeah, I think his ceiling is going to be really high. I think there's, you know, some things that as time goes on, you see players, you know, look for other people, kind of the game slows down for him. And I think, you know, once he hits his prime, he's going to be scary.
4: Yeah, we went to the draft party and we were really excited when we heard his name, when we called his name. And he's just really good already at everything, but he still has room to improve. So that is scary for others not us of course but (laughs) he's just fun to watch too and his mentality of well not even LeBron is better than me so that helps I think you know Mm -hmm. he's not egotistical about it which makes it even better so
5: I will say I did not realize he could shoot like that the first few games watching him I'm like man I didn't know like this kid's a shooter like most people know how to shoot but I didn't realize he could shoot like that like he was really and has been throughout the season a consistent shooter i guess i just didn't realize it or didn't know that from college at all but
1: i think he's just surpassed all expectations i
5: mean just just like you guys said you're excited that we
1: got him on draft night so were alex and i and we did a live reaction pod we were thrilled but i just don't think we thought he was this good so that's been the best and we also needed that type of edge that that uh that confidence over there to just say like yeah, so what? LeBron's LeBron, but I'm Benedict Mather. You know, like we haven't had that in, in a long time. So, my last question for you guys would say, like, maybe what's uh, one thing you're both looking forward to for the second half of the season?
3: Uh, Pal
5: Burton getting healthy. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> but, but, but that way, um, uh, the second half, I will say this for the second half of the season, I'm looking forward to getting over the hill of the trade rumors and what's going on and everything else. Cause it's, it's just, it gets exhausting. Um, I think, you know, Turner's having a a stellar year this year and I don't know. It's, we just can't quit talking about the trade rumors. So I I get tired of seeing them all the time. So at least once you get through the trade deadline, you know, where you're at, you don't have to worry. Like, are they going to send somebody here or there? Um, And just kind of see where we finish.
4: Yep. I was going to say, see where we see where this takes us because wherever we end up, we know next year is going to be the best and it's going to be amazing. I'm so excited.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I wanted to ask you because you are season ticket holders and I know you guys can't always go to the games together. Um, What is your like game day rituals that you have to go through when it's, you know, time for a game? I'm just curious.
5: I'll let you start with that one because you're more game day ritual than me. Well, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just saying you are.
4: <laughs> uh, well, I really get into what I'm going to wear. <laughs> I have to choose which Jersey cause we have about half of our closet is jerseys and pacer right gear. <laughs> <Love it. laughs> yeah. Um, and I have to tell him no every time I go to the team store to not buy something new, but what? I, okay. anyway. but we, we have to <laughs> get there early too. So we can walk around and spin the wheel <laughs> mm-hmm. and just be there. I I just love everything about it. Just
5: you gotta try to win the paper the pacers pop it for,
4: for, our, for our son. Kids. Yep. Oh nice. Sorry, they, have, they, have a, yeah. they have
5: a pop it. Gotcha. Every time. gotcha. That's awesome. Um, for me else? it's mostly for me, it's just mostly um, you know, what jersey I'm gonna wear. Like you dig through Turner jersey, you got you know, some Matherin just got to figure out what i'm wearing but nothing nothing real extreme uh playoffs maybe sometimes gold outs yeah you know. we go
4: so often there's it's gotten to where we're just it's normal life
5: <laughs> yeah I, I do have i do have pants and like an actual basically uniform when they gold out so that like you know the gold warm-up pants and gold shirt and gold everything so mm, i love Other that. Than that yeah mm-hmm. That's no, awesome.
1: That's yeah. that's great. The jersey decision is a crucial decision, so I don't blame you on that. I got jerseys that you know I can't wear anymore because I'm thinking to myself, you know what, we've lost a couple times when I've <laughs> worn that one, but you know, it, it, there's there's tough decisions
5: to make, so I don't blame you on that. There've been a lot of times where I wore somebody's jersey and then they play bad, so then then it gets did <laughs> it get to me? It's like, man, I really want to wear this jersey tonight, but man, I don't want to have a bad game, so yeah. like, yeah. so you just I don't gotta know, keep maybe next it. time. Maybe next time the Clippers come, I'll wear a Paul George jersey. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's the solution right there. That's
4: a good idea.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh thank you guys so much for coming on, and we want to give you guys the opportunity to send us home like we do every podcast. So uh, maybe you guys can do it in unison. But if you're excited to be a Pacer fan, then hit us with those three words. Let's go, Pacer! <laughs> Setting the pace, going to the top in the pace going to the top this is your number 1 podcast sweeping every team
5: we going need a mop Smooth.
4: Mm-hmm.